All right. Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Good to be back. I think the last time I was here, I was with the ADS crew. We came up for our fall outreach in November, and so it's always good to come back to the harbor, the place that I feel like you guys are my first, like, church that I really was like, I'm committed to this, that I wasn't forced to go by my parents, who are here in the back. Hi, Mom and Dad. Thanks for forcing me to go to church when I was younger. I love church now. Hey, we're in the in the series on building healthy relationships. That's what the book Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk is all about. So if you haven't bought it yet or if you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend you guys getting it. But we are in a series on this, and today I get to talk about communication and how communication builds lasting, deep relationships. And so I just was thinking, I was like, okay, what's a lasting, deep relationship that I've had in my life? And the person that came to mind is someone in your midst, good friend Keith Crass. That's right, we all love Keith. I think last time I preached here, I was using all my sermon illustrations with him too. So every time I come up here, he's all I talk about. But he, he's a great friend of mine, and so I just wanted to bring you into our relationship and say, this is why we had a great relationship. Well, first, we love sports. He, we would play any, any ball you could imagine. Keith and I like to throw it or play with it. And so all throughout college, so we were freshman roommates, and actually we lived together five out of the next six years. We would always say, hey, you want a break from study? And we'd go out to the quad, and we'd you know, go throw anything. So that was a, the first thing that really bonded us. Second thing that really bonded us was, how many of you guys remember that TV show, Lost? Yeah. So good, right? Yeah. So good. We, we would watch Lost together at like midnight. We'd be lying in our beds and we'd watch one show. And then it's always the classic. The cliffhanger comes and there's like silence. And we like look over like, you want to do one more? <laughs> All right, one more. Let's do one more. All right. And then, and then we'd do three more, you know? And then it'd be like 2 a.m. And then we'd have to get up. But whatever. It was so worth it because it was such a good show. Another way that we bonded was uh, that we started a prayer group our freshman year. So there was this kind of uh, together, we, we had about eight guys that would come weekly, and we would pray with one another, encourage one another, share needs and everything. Uh, but you know what the biggest time or the biggest way that we connected? What, what kind of defined, when I, when I reflect on our relationship, the thing that bonded us the most was our pillow talks. That's right, pillow talk. So about once every three weeks, it'd be like 10 or 11 p.m., we'd both be lying in our beds, and it'd be silent, you know, we're trying to go to sleep, and then one of us would be like, hey, bro, you awake? He's like, yeah, man, I'm awake, what's up? It's like, can I share something with you? Of course. And then and there'd always be something, it, it usually would be about a girl, that was usually the first thing that would start pillow talk. So we'd start about, talk about girls, and then we'd go and we'd talk about, you know, our hopes and dreams, and how work is going, our school, and we'd come back to girls, and then, you know, we'd go to different things. But that was what really bonded us. We'd have these late night chats, and, and for me, pillow talk is what defined our relationship, because it was at that moment where I honestly was like, I can share anything. I just felt like I could just be open with Keith about everything. Maybe it was because it was dark and I couldn't see him, and so we'd have to look each other in the eyes, you know, just talk, right? I don't know what it was, but I, I really think it was just I trusted him. And so I was open with him, he was open with me. And so that's really what I would say is, is, was the key to part to our relationship. And thankfully now, Keith and I don't have to have pillow talk anymore. We have wives that we can do that with. But Keith, I'm just so thankful for our relationship. Thank you. 
So today I want to talk about communication and how we can build deep, lasting relationships with other people, how we can have pillow talk with other people in our lives, and how actually communication is the key to us having that pillow talk with one another. But here's the problem, is that most of us have a really hard time with communication if we're honest about it. Most of us have a hard time really opening up to other people, really sharing what's really going on in our lives because of pain, because of fear, because we just never were taught how to do it. And the problem with this, the problem with us having a hard time with it is that we're not able to build deep, lasting relationships. And that is really what humans, our core desire is to have deep, lasting relationships, to be fully known by other people and to fully know other people. And so when we're not able to communicate well, we're not able to have kind of our our deepest heart's desire in life. I want you to think right now, do you have two to three people in your life who you feel just totally confident and comfortable sharing anything and everything with? That you would be like, hey, this is my person that I can have pillow talk with. Some of you guys might be like, yep, I can list off my two to three people, it's easy. But I think some of us, that's actually a hard thing to list. That's actually a hard thing to come up with those people. And so today I want to give us a couple tools to say, hey, this is how you can create some of these deep, lasting relationships with other people. So in Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says an amazing thing. He says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Proverbs 4, 23, King Solomon says something quite similar. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. Okay, when the the two wisest men who ever lived on earth say something very similar, we should all be going like, ding, 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 ding. There's something here for us as humans to understand. And I think this is what, he's tr- what both of them are trying to say, is that picture your heart is like a spring, right? And it's bubbling up water, and what comes out of our mouth, we can kind of see if, if what's coming out of our mouth is blessing, is honesty, is truth, is kind words, are things that are right, that we can kind of tell, hey, something's good is going on in my heart. Out of the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaks. But if coming out of our mouth is lies or curses, or you have a really hard time actually expressing or communicating your inner world, then there's something maybe wrong with your heart. And so today, I want to talk about how we can actually test or see. It's almost like what comes out of our mouth is a check engine light saying, hey, ding, there's something's going on in my heart that needs to get worked out. So if we're living in fear, which is what Brian was talking about yesterday, what comes out of us, I'm going to be talking about four different ways that we poorly communicate with other people. So we, we can see the way that we communicate with people and see that there's something going off. We're living in, in fear. But if we're living in the power of the gospel, the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, then we will operate in a way that communicates truth to other people. And I'm going to talk about two different ways that we can communicate truth with one another. So what is communication? It's simply this. Communication is exchanging the truth inside. Exchanging the truth inside. So I'm going to break that down. Exchange, it's me and you. 
We're, we're on an exchange. It's a give and take. It's a listening and speaking. And then the truth inside is this is what's really going on. So I'm exchanging what's real, what's in me. I'm not hiding it. I'm not lying. I'm not oppress or suppressing it. I'm bringing it out to you. So communication is exchanging the truth inside. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if it was just that easy? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were all just able to go, okay, great, Phil, thanks. Great sermon. I can exchange the truth inside. I'd like to give you a couple tips, hopefully, that will help us actually do that in the right way. But first, I want to point out four different ways that we poorly communicate. And you might resonate with one, two, a couple of these But the first way that we poorly communicate with people, so again, this is all a reflection on what's going inside of us, is what I would call we act like a toddler. Okay, when we communicate like a toddler, there's something going on inside of us that's wrong. See, toddlers are immature. That's just a reality. I have two toddlers. I have twin girls, Hannah and Ava. They're two and a half years old, and they are immature. And they should be. They're toddlers. But here, let me just do a quick illustration of of their immaturity. So this right here is my daughter's doll. They love this doll. And it's so fun to watch them. They, they, they grab the doll and they cuddle it and they feed it its bottle and they make sure its hat is on correctly. And they just, they're just smiling down at this little doll. I love it. Les and I love to see our little girls care for this thing. But then there's always a moment that happens. You'll watch it. And they're cuddling the doll. And then all of a sudden... Look up. Food! And they run at us and they're like, I need food! I'm so hungry! And Leslie and I are like, get the cheese! Get the apples! Alright, she wants grapes! Cut them up! Let's go get her! Feed it, feed it, feed it! Feed the little Hannah or Ava really quickly. And then all of a sudden, ah, she eats. And then she's back to normal. She goes, runs back to the doll, picks it up, and starts cuddling again. And we're like, How did that happen? What if that was a real baby? That's like schizophrenic right there. I can't believe you went from beautiful care to running at us for food, right? But that's what toddlers do, and that's what immaturity is. You see, immaturity is this, is that you are so concerned with your own needs that you have no capacity or very little capacity to care for the needs of others. And see, the thing is, if you're a toddler, that's an okay thing. But if you're an adult and you act like that, you won't have any friends. There's a problem with that because people know that when they're in a relationship with you or when they're in in communication with you, it's not an exchange. It's them expressing all their needs to you. And you're like, whoa, I don't want to be friends with if it's just you dumping on me, right? So the overflow of the heart of the toddler, the, the problem that's going on is that they're afraid that their needs will never get met. And so they over-communicate or they, or they throw everything on you saying, you got to meet my needs, just like toddlers do. And you know what toddlers need to hear from the father? Toddler needs to hear a, a, a promise that I will provide for you. I love you. I'm, I'm the good provider and I, I care about you. Your needs will be met. That's what toddlers need to hear. And that's what, parent, that's what good parenting does. They cry out for food, and good parents say, okay, we, we'll provide you food. And then it builds trust that when they communicate their needs, their needs will be met. 
and then they grow into maturity. Same thing with us as adults. We need to learn how to healthily communicate, healthily realize that when we do express needs, our needs can be met by other people. And hopefully we grow in maturity and are able to then hear other people's needs as well. So the first problem with communication is you're like a toddler. The second problem with communication is you become what I would call a stuffer. Okay? And stuffers walk around with a backpack on, and they have all these types of feelings and needs and things that happen to them throughout the day. But instead of exchanging it with someone, exchanging what's really going on, exchanging their feelings, they take those feelings and they stuff their feelings. Right? They put it in the backpack that they carry around and they continue to walk along. And so things happen to them all throughout the day. Had a, had a painful performance review at work. Oh, the pain of that. Stuff that in the backpack. Right? Was left off an invitation to a party that everybody else got invited, just feeling like I was left out. Oh, man, instead of communicating that with that person, they take that feeling and they stuff it. Right? Maybe even on the positive side of things, they might say, hey, one day I want to own my own company or my own business or start out on my own. But they're like, I don't want to, I'm not going to tell that to anybody because no one really cares, so I'm going to stuff that thought and just keep it to myself. See, the problem with stuffers is that it starts to get heavy after a little while. And what eventually happens is they're like, all right, I'm fed up with this. And then they go find somebody, and it's usually someone they really care about, and they go, here you go, here's everything, and just start dumping all of this stuffed up emotion onto that person. And it's super painful for the person that receives it. And so the problem is, is that they stuff, they get exhausted, and then they dump it on other people. And so other people learn again to say, whoa, it's, it kind of feels like we're walking around an eggshell sometimes. You never know when that's going to happen in, in communication. And so here's the problem here. Here's the, the, the thing that's going on inside of them and the stuffers that no one really cares. They have this, this deep-seated belief that no one really cares about me. So because of that, I'm not going to tell anybody what's really going on. I'm not going to share needs, feelings. I'm going to stuff it. And what stuffers need to hear is this. It's just that they are cared for deeply. In Zephaniah 3.17, it's one of my favorite verses. It's God talking about how he cares about Israel. And he says this, I delight over Israel with singing and dancing. Stuffers need to hear they have delight, that the Father delights in them and cares about them greatly. And that they can express their needs. They can express who they are. They don't need to stuff it and hold it themselves. They can actually give that away. The third poor communication style, as I was called, I would call it the masker. Right? And the masker is the person that has this little mask in the back pocket. It's this big smiley face. And anything that happens, good, bad in life, right? They pop out that mask, put that thing on. They're like, everything's all right all the time. Right? Oh, my dog just died, but it's okay. I'm happy. Oh, I just got broken up with my boyfriend. It's okay, though. I'm fine. They're the ones that say, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good all the time. I say this and I smile about it. See, the problem with the masker is that it's fake. The problem with the masker is there's no integrity to it. We know as humans that there's up days and there's down days. There's up hours and down hours. There's feelings that, that, are, that are good and that are bad, but the masker See, the problem with them or the, the deep-seated thing that's going on is insecurity. And they say, I'm afraid to really show who I am because if I do, you might not like who I am. 
You know what? You might not like what's behind the masks, so I'm going to just put on this smiley face because people tend to like people who are really happy. But they're believing a lie because I believe people love to know the real stuff that's going on in your life. That actually is what bonds you to people is when, when people are able to share deep things with you, pains that they might have. And so the masker believes that only the mask is what people like. But it's truly what's who they really are that people like. And they need to hear from the Father is this. Take down that mask. Who I made you to be is beautiful. They need to hear Psalm 139. I formed you and created you in your mother's womb. Everything about you I love. You don't need to mask it. You don't need to hide your identity or fake it at all. Final poor way of communication is something that I would call the iceberg, okay? The iceberg is the person that's super vague. The iceberg is the person that only shares about 10% of their life with other people, right? An iceberg, it shows 10% and they say about 90% of it is under the water. But the iceberg is someone who's super vague in the way they share with you. Oh man, I'm struggling with some things. Oh man, yeah, things are really hard right now. They're the ones, I was actually just in, in a life group this past week and we were talking about holiness and this, we were praying afterwards with someone and this guy looked at me, he was like, I was praying with him and he's like, bro, I'm just really struggling being holy right now. And I was, and I was like, what does that mean? You know, does, he could have just killed somebody or he could have just, you know, stepped on an ant and felt bad about it. It's like the spectrum of what it was is, 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 is huge But because he's afraid of really sharing what's going on, he's only willing to share a glimpse of it. I don't really know what's going on inside of him. And see, the problem that's going on with them is that they just feel shame, right? They they, they know that they should share a little bit, but then they share, if they share the whole thing, they're like, if you really knew all about me, you wouldn't want to be my friend. Or if you really knew all the stuff that I was dealing with, you would reject me. Or you would, you would not want to be around me. And so the iceberg needs to hear from the Father. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. They need to, they need to feel confident that they can feel and share openly about any kind of sin issue or any kind of deep things that are in them. They need to, be, they need to be, have the confidence that they can share that with others. They can share all 90%, they can share all 100%, not just the vague 10%. So, where do you guys fall? Which one of these hits you? Is it the toddler that acts immature? Is it the stuffer that stuffs all their thoughts and feelings? Is it the masker that's always happy? Is it the iceberg that's super vague? See, I, I struggle with the, the, being a masker and one who is vague. Just last year in the discipleship school, this uh, student spoke to me. She, just, she was like, uh, we were having this time of just kind of correction and rebuke, loving correction and rebuke, speaking the truth in love. And this is what she said to me. She said, hey, Phil, you tend to only share about things after the fact. You, you tend to only share about things when it's been a, like the victory has happened and then you share about how hard it was. See, I tend to be someone who just kind of grits his teeth and just kind of presses through and I'm not gonna really share with you because I'm like, I believe for God to do good, good things. And then when he does do good things, then I'm like, hey guys, guess what? God did a good thing and this is what I was struggling with instead of bringing people into that whole process. And so this loving 
girl, this, this girl spoke lovingly to me, and I, it revealed to me some of my poor communication skills. Don't we need some people to speak that to us sometimes? Don't we need people to tell us, hey, this is how you're communicating? All right, this is how I'd love for you to communicate more. We need that loving person or people to do that in our lives. I'm so thankful that this woman shared this with me. But think about what yours is. Think about what area yours that you struggle in communication with others in. So what do you now do with that? How do you now kind of react to this? Well, good news. The gospel has an answer for us. You see, humans were created for relationship. God created, it says in Genesis 2, he created Adam and Eve, and and they had this close, dynamic relationship. But the problem is, is that sin came into the world, and it broke that relationship with God. And it says that once sin came in, the first thing that Adam and Eve did was they saw that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves to hide themselves, and then they went, or to cover themselves, and they went and hid from God. And so it's so interesting that one of the first things that sin attacks or comes after is, I would say, communication. And it forces us to feel, want to be hidden, and want to feel shame. And so that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. But the good news is, is that God sent Jesus Christ to earth, and through Jesus' life, through his death, and through his resurrection, it says that our relationship with God can now be restored because sin is forgiven, and then the power of sin is broken over people's lives. That's what the gospel is. And so we then can have the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God in Genesis 2, when they were naked and unashamed. And so they, we can have that relationship with God, but then we have the power to have that relationship with others as well. And so that is the power of the gospel in our communication. We then can be totally open, totally honest. We have the power to feel no shame about sharing with other people what's really going on. And that is good news. So how do we put that into practice How do we actually embrace the good news of the gospel and say, okay, this then is how I want to communicate. This then, I don't want to be a toddler. I don't want to be a stuffer. I don't want to be a masker. I don't want to be an iceberg anymore. Jesus, empower me to live the power of the gospel out and become naked and unashamed again in my communication. Well, this is how we can do that. I have two ideas. The first is this, to put into practice the power of the gospel. It's confession of sin with other people. And the second thing we can do is bringing other people into our weaknesses, bringing other people into our struggles. So when you leave here today, my goal, my hope is that you will say, hey, these are two to three people who I feel confident because of the power of the gospel, because I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not, I am not hidden and ashamed anymore, but instead I can be naked and ashamed in my communication. I want you to leave here saying, these are the people who I feel confident and comfortable confessing sin to and bringing them into my weaknesses. So let's first talk about confession. What is confession? Well, confession is telling, it's simple. It's telling another person about a sin, about doing something wrong, about not living the way that you were supposed to live. 
Whenever I think of confession, when I believe, I, am, I, am a, I believe so strongly in the power of confession. I, mean, I have a couple stories in a minute. But the, the verses that I always go to whenever I need to be motivated to confess my sin to another person is 1 John 1, 7 through 9. And that says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I take these verses and I say, praise the Lord, confession is an amazing thing. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to allow no darkness to be in my life, no hiddenness to be in my soul. I'm just going to say, here I am. I'm going to share this with another person. And what does it say when we do that? It says that the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from that sin. The power of sin in that area doesn't have any more power there. What else does this do? It says that we then have fellowship with one another. So when you confess your sins to another person, the direct ramification or or byproduct of that is this bond with that person, this fellowship with them that is so powerful. So I walk and work with uh, two different groups in Brighton that are dealing with sexual addiction, men who are dealing with struggles with sexual addiction. And part of every meeting that we do is we confess and we forgive one another. And it's interesting. So I just finished this 12-week group with guys. And in the beginning of the the kind of weeks one through four, uh, the confessions we're typically, again, kind of like the iceberg. Hey, I'm struggling with holiness. And we're like, bro, you're in a sexual addiction class. We know what that means, okay? <laughs> and they don't, they, for some reason, don't feel confident to share. But once, honestly, the leaders, myself and this other guy, once we started being really real and open with the rest of this group, they started saying, oh, wow, that's, you can actually share like that? Okay, well, I'm going to share like that too. And the other beautiful thing is that, you know, it's, it was about sexual addiction, but praise the Lord, that wasn't it. Then we started confessing things like greed, things like how we're treating our wives, our spouses, or uh, how, our kids. It, it opened it up way more, and it was so much more open, so much more, way more of our lives that we started to open up to the other guys. And the power of it, at the end of our 12 weeks together, everybody's kind of saying the most powerful thing about this was our time of confession and receiving forgiveness. More than the material, more than kind of the prayer time, it was was us being able to just be real with a group of guys. And I am so bonded to that group. I didn't really know them beforehand. But man, I know them now. And I I have such, I just built relationships. In 12 weeks, we built deep relationship with one another. It was amazing. Just the other week, uh, another, another, so that was, that was the, the, this group. Just the other week, um, I had to confess, or I confessed a sin to my boss. Mark Buckner is the lead pastor down at, in Brighton. And uh, this, this sin that I, that I, I just was convicted of by the Holy Spirit. I had um, drank what I would say alcohol 
more than what I, my conscience, my conscience was not clear about how much I drank. I did not get drunk. But I was like, hey, that's, for what I'm trying to live my life, I felt like I drank too much. And the Holy Spirit brought conviction to me. So I'm in this time of prayer and worship with our staff, and the Holy Spirit brings this up. He's like, hey, you should go talk to Mark about this. And I don't know if you've ever had to confess to your boss, but it's a terrible thing. It's a very scary, scary thing. And so I'm like, no way am I going to do that. I, got, I mean, I, he might think I'm a bad person, and he might think I'm not really the, the, the man of God that, that he thinks I am, and, and I might get fired. You know, I have all these fears that are going on inside of me. But the Holy Spirit is like, no, just go confess it. I was like, all right, fine. So I go up to Mark, and I'm like, Mark, hey, man, just want to let you know that my conscience is not clear about this. I'm really sorry about this. And I confessed my sin to him, and, and it was amazing to have my boss and really a father figure say, hey, Phil, you're forgiven. Walk in freedom. Thanks for confessing to me. And man, oh man, the, the bond that that made between us, the trust that I now have with Mark is unbelievable because of just a simple act like that. So what do you do? How do you actually do this confession thing? Should you actually do this? Well, yes, I believe you should. If you look at 1 John 1, 7 through 9, the power of it is so powerful. And the bonds and the fellowship that it creates with others and the, and the freedom from that sin or, or the freedom from the power of that sin, it's, it's like an immediate thing. It says that Jesus' blood cleanses us from that. Praise the Lord. So you should do it. But how do you do it? Well, I encourage you guys in, in your life groups, in your discipleship groups, with close friends, just say, hey, let's read this passage and let's just do this. Let's try it out. And so what you do is you just get in, you read it, and you say, all right, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I can confess to this group? And I promise you, things will be brought up, and I promise you that when you then hear someone's confession and say, hey, you're forgiven, I forgive you, and Jesus and his blood forgives you. The power of that is amazing. So go and confess. Open up. Develop bonds with people through confession. So the second thing, the second way through the power of the gospel that we can communicate, that we can exchange the truth inside is that we can bring others into our weaknesses. And what are some of those weaknesses? Well, I would say this. There's three kind of sets of them. One is our temptations that we face. Two is our pains from our past. And three, it's our doubts and our fears. These are all things that I would classify as our weaknesses. One of the, person, the people in the Bible that, that uh, embraced his weakness was Paul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 through 10, he, has this, it, he brings us into this exchange or this kind of conversation that he's having with Jesus. And Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is, but it's some struggle that he has. It might be a temptation. It might just be an illness. We don't really know. But he's, he's like, God, Jesus, take this away from me. And Jesus three times says, no, I'm not going to take it away. And this is what he says. He says that my power is made perfect in your weakness. This is Jesus talking to Paul. And so then Paul takes that simple phrase, and he says, all right, well, if your power is made perfect in my weakness, then he's going to do two things. Then I'm going to boast in my weaknesses, and then I'm also going to delight in my weaknesses. Because of the power of Christ that dwells on those who are weak, 
We can actually boast in them and delight in our weaknesses instead of being afraid of them and instead of feeling like we're inadequate because of them. So if you want the power of Christ to dwell in your life, we need to embrace our temptations. We need to embrace our pains from our past. We need to embrace our doubts and our fears and share them with others. So what does that look like? What does it look like to share your temptations? Well, I just want to remind us, temptation is not sin. You don't confess a temptation. You confess a weakness to something and saying, hey, I'm tempted by this. I'm tempted when I go out to a bar because I struggle with alcohol. I'm tempted by uh, anything sexual like pictures because that just, uh, it triggers me to want more. I'm tempted by, by food because when I see a big, huge banquet table or, or, a, or a party, I'm tempted by it because I just want to eat. I'm tempted to gossip when I hear some good news about someone else, right? So when you bring others into your temptations, they're able to pray for you, they're able to know you more. And again, it's not confession, it's just saying, guys, I'm weak in this area, can you pray for me? Can you ask me about this area in my life? How about your painful moments in your past? Are you willing to share those with other people? I was reminded of Keith, again, in our relationship. So Keith's father passed away when he was 12 years old. And every year around the anniversary of Keith's dad's death, the pain would kind of surface in a, in a kind of more real way for Keith. And so that would uh, sometimes maybe shut him down emotionally or he'd he would just be more quiet or more, maybe want more distance. And when he told me that, when he was like, hey, Phil, I just want to let you know, this happened. And around the anniversary of my father's passing, this kind of thing's happened in my life. It made me, first of all, bonded to him. I'm like, thank you for sharing that with me. Thanks for opening up about a painful moment in your past. And now I know how to, around that time, care for you better. Be more gracious pray for you, be more gentle towards him, give him space if he needs it. I was so thankful for that, opening up his life to me. Or maybe there's abuse in your past. This is really painful, any kind of sexual, physical, emotional abuse that you might have. When we go into new communities, I don't know how long you guys have been here at the harbor, but sometimes you're like, you know, I don't want to share any of my past because that's just too painful to go to or people don't want to know about it or whatever. No, I think in an appropriate way, that's the thing to bring to new communities. That's the thing to bring to your friends. Say, hey, this happened. This is how I'm dealing with it. It's really hard. I'm still working through stuff. But praise God, I've, I've seen major growth in this area, hopefully. But maybe you haven't. But that's so powerful to share with others because they might be able to speak in your life or, or bring some of the healing that's so needed. One of, the, one of the beautiful things from a lot of the sexual addiction material that I'm working through is they say you're wounded in relationship and you're healed in relationship. And so much healing comes to us when we're in deep relationship with one another through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the gospel. How about your doubts and your fears? Are you willing to share those things with other people? You know, I chose to heed the advice of my student last year when she said, hey, you tend to only share after the fact. Well, this year in my discipleship group, in our discipleship class, 
I decided, hey, I'm going to actually go there with, with this group of guys. And I've been working through just what I would call disappointment with God recently. I feel like my life isn't as fruitful. My, my mission life is not as fruitful as I like. My even personal prayer time and spending time with the Lord is not as fruitful and not as powerful or connected as I was hoping. And so I was like, God, I'm kind of disappointed in this. I'm kind of frustrated that this is the fact. I thought I'm, I thought I'm your son. I thought I'm doing good things for you. Why aren't I feeling that fruit that you promise? And so I was just kind of disappointed with God. But instead of kind of keeping that to myself, I was like, you know, I'm going to share this with these guys. And, and again, mind you, most of these guys are like five to six years older than, younger than me. So they, they kind of look up to me as a spiritual mentor. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to share with these guys because I think that's valuable for them to hear this. So I shared. I was like, guys, I'm dealing with this. I'm struggling with disappointment with God. I'm struggling with, like, I don't feel like my life is, is aligning with what I kind of communicate. I don't know if I'm actually walking the walk, if you will. I'm able to talk the talk. I'm able to share a lot of this stuff, but I don't feel like I'm doing it. I was able to share that with these guys. And, and some of their reflections, they were like, after the fact, again, they said, man, that was so powerful. I'm really thankful that you brought us into the real stuff of your life. That it's not just, hey, here's Phil, the ADS director. He's got all his stuff together. I don't. And so sharing that was deeply bonding with them. And also, they were saying that they just appreciated it because it made me feel more real. Another thing that was powerful is I was able to share, and then they ministered to me. Almost all four of the guys had a specific thing to share or a specific prayer for me that I felt like was so significant. And I, after, the, after sharing that, I felt like there was a major shift that happened. And I, and I haven't been feeling some of this disappointment with God. I've been actually embracing, just saying, okay, hey, this is just life. I'm a, I, I choose and I believe that I'm a fruitful man for, of God. So it was powerful for me to share that with them and them to minister to me. So, how do we actually walk out of here and do this? Again, through the power of the gospel, through the power of us having close relationship with God and then having the power to have close relationship with others and having the ability to be naked and unashamed in, in our communication with people and our ability to exchange the truth that's inside of us to not be a toddler or a stuffer, or a masker, or an iceberg, we can walk in the power of the gospel and say, hey, I'm gonna confess my sin. And I'm gonna bring others into my weakness. And I promise you, that's gonna deeply bond you with other people. So band, why don't you guys come up? And our time of response is, as the band is playing, I just want you to think, I just want you to ask, who are the two to three people that you have in your life that you can feel totally open and honest with, that you can feel naked and unashamed in front of in your communication, that you can be completely honest about your life and what's gone on in it, that you can be completely honest with temptations, with sin struggles, with things that are going on in your inner world. Who are those people? Do you have those people in your life? I want you to ask the Lord and say, who could those people be? If you don't have them, Say, who could they be? Who in this community, who in my community around me can, can be that person? And I really encourage you, this part of it is you just having to step out and approaching them. And it's, it's not just like an a, a immediate thing. It might take some time, but I, I just encourage you, through the power of the gospel, open up to other people. If in any way, some of the, the poor ways of communication struck you in a way, and you're like, I just can't get over that. I can't not stuff. I can't not mask. I can't not be vague. 
we want to pray for you. We want to pray that the power of the gospel would, would break that, that would, that would introduce you to a new way of doing relationship and being open with others. So if that's you, the prayer team, if a couple people from the prayer team can kind of come to the sides or to the front, I'll be up right here. Come and, come and get prayer. The power of the gospel to allow you to communicate well. Let me pray and we'll worship for one song. Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for this group of believers, Lord. I'm, I'm believing that this will be, uh, they will be defined by deep, long-lasting relationships with one another. And I also believe that they will be great communicators with one another. They will exchange the truth that is going on inside of them with one another confidently. They will not be hidden and full of shame, but they will be naked and unashamed in their communication with you and with others. So Lord, I pray that in any way, if there's someone here that's dealing with a hard way of communication or poor communication, Lord, may today be the day that they get insight into what's really going on in their inner world, in their heart. And may the power of the gospel break any way that we, need, we have poor communication. And may we be people who are willing to confess and bring others into our weakness. So give us the power to do that, Lord. Amen. So let's worship the Lord and ask him, who are the two to three people in your life who you feel like you want that relationship with or you can have your relationship with? Why don't you all stand up as we sing this last song?